But the issue in baseball is they're taking these screens and they're trying to jam them into an injury predictive hole. So it just doesn't match up. All right, hey, this is More Than uh, Velocity. I'm Bart Pear here with Ryan Croton and Jordan Oseguera. We are talking about something that you may not be familiar with at the uh, the high school or collegiate level, but um, you're seeing it quite often in uh, at the pro level, and that's screens and tests and continually assessing uh, your athletes uh, for a number of different reasons. So uh, what I like to do here is I'm going to just have Jordan kind of explain what are the kind of different screens that we're seeing at pro level and what might be – we can get into what what's beneficial and what's not and what you sh- – should probably be doing if you're, you know, still in high school or, or, or college as well. So go ahead, Jordan. Let's jump in. So it's real important to start in understanding the difference between a movement screen, functional movement screens, as well as range of motion testing, because sometimes those two things can get interchanged. Uh, they're not the same. They're extremely different. Uh, so you know, to start off, range of motion testing, people are going to be using something normally called the goniometer. Uh, and they're going to be measuring internal rotation, external rotation. It's very common with the, uh, finding out where the shoulder movement is. And then you'll also see it with the leg to where they're rotating the shin in or rotating the shin out. And they're measuring that angle of, you know, in, uh, in an inward and out movement. Ryan will use all the, the sciencey terms for that. Again, I'm just, I'm the coach in the trenches. Ryan does all the stuff in a lab. So he'll, he'll give you those E version, inversion stuffs on that. Um, I just say in or out. Uh, but then there's also going to be something called a functional movement screen, which is, you know, people pay organizations a ton of money to come in and screen their athletes, teach their coaches how to do this and kind of monitor them. And those are predominantly used to find out where a segment isn't moving quite normally. So if a player's pelvis has a little shake in it when it's trying to move forward and back or when they're trying to rotate their pelvis, if one side rotates better than the other side, uh, it kind of gives you an understanding of why someone can't perform a movement, uh, but it doesn't give you the reason as to what is causing that issue. You got to do a little extra digging on that. Yeah. I mean, a couple of the clear determinations. So um, a functional movement screen is looking at both stability, motor control, and flexibility. And the range of motion testing is looking typically passively how much uh, mobility a joint has. And um, usually the ones that are done with a real objective approach, and Jordan mentioned the goniometer, requires a clinician. Um, and some of the strength testing that's joint specific that, that uh, can be done also typically has involved a clinician where you're pushing against a clinician's force. Um, and there's some inherent issues with that. And so this is common um, at the pro level. So Jordan, why don't you tell us, because you had an experience of doing a lot of this and then figuring out what was beneficial and what wasn't. Yeah. So they paid, you know, not just like one group or two groups. It was, it was multiple groups, a ton of money to come in and teach our entire group, everything about their specific movement screens. Uh, we used a whole bunch of them and the thing in the organization, they wanted it done weekly, sometimes bi-weekly for those, you know, higher priority players in the sense. Um, and what we started finding out was looking at these movement screens is, you know, they're predominantly, they're made in golf. A lot of them are made by, made in golf. 
and they fit really well in understanding where a player might struggle for movement. But the issue in baseball is they're taking these screens and they're trying to jam them into an injury predictive hole. So it just doesn't match up because just because someone has a movement inefficiency in a screen doesn't mean their body's going to respond the same way when they're striding down the mound, when they get into foot strike, when they're creating separation, when they're you know running through their kinematic sequence. There's a whole lot more aggressive movement going on as opposed to having someone get into a squat position with their hands behind their neck and then you know move their pelvis or you know rotate their shoulders. Uh, there's a lot of extra things going on, and it's not necessarily an apples-to-apples apples comparison. It's great for understanding if, for instance, you're trying to keep, teach someone to, to delay that torso rotation, and it turns out they have a lot of torso inefficiencies in that screen. Now you can start digging in and going, well, how do we get this guy a little stronger through his core and pinpoint those things to kind of help them? But it all funneled back to strength for why someone had those movement inefficiencies. And that's my big that's my big thing is we started moving away from the screens, which I mean we paid every year, you know, well over six figures to get these guys to come in to train the organization on how to do these because this was gonna be the next best thing. And it turns out that, you know, it didn't really have any injury predictive aspects to it all. But again, that was because we were using something that was designed to help you teach biomechanics. And we were jamming it into this medical, you know, health and, you know, injury predictive role. And we weren't using the tool the right way. So there's definitely a huge part to those being beneficial, but it's to help someone learn a movement. It's not to keep someone healthy. I mean, on my end, you can't really have a movement screen without a strength screen. And sometimes that was, was, some of the fundamental issues. And so, you know, just to give the listeners uh, an idea is if my external rotation is increasing, so my arm going back behind my body is increasing, I'm getting greater length. If the muscles on the front side of my body aren't strong and we test this, we test our internal rotation strength, that that poses a problem. And, you know, I always talk about a model of having a rubber band for stretching that rubber band, but the internal strength of that band is getting weaker. Then what happens is I pull that band really quickly. It could cause snapping, it could break the band. And so it's one thing to be um, focused on range of motion, you know, making sure an athlete has that particular checkpoint. But if we don't have the other layer of strength, if we don't have them combined, we're missing a huge part of the story. And you know, I personally believe that most of the, the injuries we see, you know, probably up to 75% of injuries can be more of a, a strength and balance issue because it's not managing these length changes. So we have to look at both together. Well, that makes a lot of sense because even, I mean, you take these movement screens and again, I won't use names of players or organizations that we've worked with, things like that. But you have these guys that create huge amounts of separation or they have great range of motion through their shoulder, great range of motion through their uh, moving their moving their shins and their hips and all these things. And they're always having these issues, like these musculature issues. So I think you use a term, you know, length and strength to where these guys have all this length. They got all this range of motion. They got big, big areas of where they can move, but they're always our younger guys. And, you know, they don't necessarily have that strength to support those big swings and movement. And now you're just, it's, it's putting the athlete at risk. So for me, the, the point of a movement screen 
if you're really going to try to make it fit a medical model is number one, it's just assessing the movement and it's, it's there to help the coach understand why maybe a player can't do the task you're asking him to do from a movement standpoint. And then number two, what it does is it lets you know who's really hyper flexible in those instances. And now you have to monitor that through strength because if they have a length, but no strength, that's risky. Like you were saying, I think that was the terms you used. So, I just want to be clear here. So the arm care app and the and the, the programming that you're doing there, it is testing range of motion, internal, external, um, scaption range of range of motion, um, and looking for changes in those. And there is some data around that being potential predictors, correlations with injury. But that's not the same as the functional movement. Can I squat and rotate my torso in a certain position and, and those type of things. Is that, is that where we're getting? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Slightly different. Yeah. Okay. And so this is, would you say common at the pro level, but what is, what are we seeing in the, in the collegiate and high school level in regards to this? I mean, I can, from my experience, um, you know, the amateur world is, is really behind you know, um, it's almost like we treat these upper echelon of players because they're worth millions of dollars. We try to give them all the resources possible. But it's it's crazy to me that, you know, on the amateur side, um, people aren't looking at themselves that way. You know, it's kind of sad. Like there could be some parents that might think their kid, you know, he's never going to make it. He's never going to be a great athlete. You know, he's playing baseball for fun. And they don't consider this to be an important tool where, you know, what what would happen if you know, you identified some of these imbalances or some, or, or joint specific weakness. And all of a sudden you fix those things and he clicks. Now that athlete that you thought, you know, was 10 miles an hour below what an average, you know, collegiate, uh, division one pitcher should be at for velocity. And now he's there, you know, and, and, and that's your son or your daughter, you know, even, and, um, you know, that's a shame. It's, it's a, it's a weird conundrum that we, we focus a ton of our monitoring efforts when the players have value, but then when they don't have that value, we don't consider it and they could have that value in future. Anybody that plays a game of baseball and you step between the white lines, you have a chance. The only way you don't have a chance to be a professional baseball player is if you don't play. Um, yeah, and- just to touch on that with the, with the college aspect of it, you bring up a great point of, you know, they don't have access to the same things. And, you know, I work with a couple guys that are that's some pretty, you know, they're, they're big name division ones. They're not, you know, small schools that, oh, you know, we're, you know, University of, you know, Iowa, but located in Southeast Florida. Care, you know, things, it's now, not one careful. of those. You know, it's not, I made up a random school. Don't worry. Um, unless there really is a University of Iowa in Southeast Florida, then I apologize. But, um, you know, they're big name schools with big budgets. And, you know, one of my, one of my players has asked me, he goes, Hey, you know, I have some, yeah, you know, I, I got dead arm going on. This is in the middle of the fall. And he goes, I'm, I'm just sluggish. I'm not recovering. I don't know what's going on. I said, well, can you get a strength test? And he goes, yeah, my squat's up. I said, well, no, can you, can you get with your AT? Can you get with a strength coach or, you know, the sports science group there and, and get a, you know, a dynamometer measure on your shoulder, internal and external inscription and, and kind of shoot me those numbers and we can start dialing in some more specifics on your program. And this was before I was working with arm care. And he goes, well, what's a dynamometer? I said, just go ask your, your group, your sports science group. They're going to know what we're talking about. 
So he went in, he asked them, and they were like, we don't, we don't know what that is, you know, and that was pretty much the answer he got at a major division one where they're like a, a, a dino, a dino what now? And they said, we'll just get on the table and we'll, we'll, we'll measure your internal and external from there. How's that sound? And that was the response he got. So this is still something that, that the amateur world is kind of aware of, but not fully, you know, cognizant of what's going on. And so it's not, it's not just increasing injury risk. It's limiting potential. I mean, he's dealing with dead arm, and he's he's limiting what he's doing not only for that team but for his potential career going forward. A hundred percent. Yep, it's an advantage. It really is an advantage to to monitor and assess. Um, and it it doesn't have to cost a lot. You know, I think of some of the pro athletes that we've had. I mean, you could you could look at an athlete like Trevor Bauer. He has great financial resources for the work he puts in, but he has a whole team around him. Or not even just the major league team, but he has his own private team of sports scientists, therapists, strength coaches. You know, I know some of them. But it, this is something he's always done. He's always wanted to to seek out a competitive advantage at any level before he was a pro. And uh, you know, I think that that has to happen more. That has to be encouraged. Um, I think the the amateurs and, and the college coaches and you know the the clinicians that are at the college level they they need to talk to their their athletic departments and uh, they need to consider this as a as a competitive advantage. It's going to make their athletes better, their program better, their opportunities better. So it's a real advantage, in my opinion. Yeah, Trevor Bauer almost takes the professional golfer approach to it, to where. You know, he they, they have to take responsibility for everything they do because they're the one who's in charge of the putt and the drive and, and everything going on from the start to the very end of it. There's nothing else. There's no defense. It's all relying on you. So professional golf and even the really high-end amateurs have, you know, a personal strength coach. They have an AT. They got a massage therapist. They got a swing coach. But all those people are talking because they're aware the better this one player performs – the better off, you know, I'm going to be able to market myself as a strength coach, the better off I'm going to be able to get more golf clients or get into this industry. And that's kind of in a sense what, you know, the high end, you know, baseball players are doing as well as they're hiring a group around them to take all this information and to, to make it make sense for them. They don't rely on, you know, this, this one person who, you know, they've been the, been the AT for 25 years, which they're probably really good at what they're doing. But they may not have that full understanding of the actual, you know, kinematic sequence when it comes down to pitching, or the actual, you know, whatever hitters do for for hitting. So they're hiring this group around them, and I think that's where where golf kind of sets it apart with the movement screens, is they have so many people looking into that and dialing in plans for that individual, and that's where you, you see the difference in, in baseball with those is you take the movement screen, and then you hand it off to one person. And then you just kind of are hoping for the best as opposed to having that great communication with every department to funnel that into each individual player. So let's kind of come full circle with this or wrap this up in a way. If I recognize after listening to this that I need to be um, monitoring these things and and tracking, what what do I need to be testing? Yeah, I mean, utilizing you know, the arm care system, you, you, you want to focus there first. I mean, if you don't have access to really high end tools like force plates and some of the things that a strength coach or some of these modern age performance centers have for 
you know, holistic power. Um, you know, you want to look at what is my throwing arm strength looking like on the day to day? What is my range of motion changes looking like on the day to day and have access to a lot of testing? Because when you have a lot of measurements, especially you're not waiting, you know, poor performance and injuries are likely not going to happen as frequently because you're not missing assessments. So, you know, you want to find tools um, and strategies that you can you can test yourself routinely. If it's a preseason exam, well, you don't know how the season's going to go. You know, in terms of you know a, a postseason exam, you're missing the whole middle of that season that that needs to be evaluated. And so, for parents and players, you know, coaches, you, you want to look for technologies that you don't miss observation windows. And obviously, the Arm Care app does does all of that. Um, don't want to turn this into a complete commercial, but yes, uh, that's pretty much the easiest way to do this right now. If, you, if you're not at a, a, you know, at a university or that has trainers that understand what we're talking about and has the expensive equipment to do it um, themselves, and that would be the cheapest, easiest way to do it. Yep. Yep. The portability aspect. And the, the cool thing is that, you know, you want to have a system that's athlete-led I know we've talked a lot about the athlete, but I think of myself as a, a former strength coach and a director in high performance. Um, it's very cumbersome for us to be the ones evaluating all the time, testing all the time. So this is really player led. Like you don't need someone to read your data and send it back to you. It's there for you, you know, and that's the kind of technology I'd wrap my head around as an athlete. Um, I really wanted to be self-sufficient. You know, I didn't like, I didn't like clinicians stretching me. I didn't like strength coaches stretching me. I want to have a routine on my own. Um, and, and, you know, that builds a great habit for a future professional, future college player, future great high school player is to be able to have that, uh, that assertiveness, you know, in their approach to, to getting their bodies ready. All right. Well, I think, uh, Jordan, unless you have something else to add, I think, uh, that wraps up this one. I think, uh, pretty valuable information.